welcome back yo episode number eight 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 is great eight yeah is great. this is a weird one because we're recording on we're recording for the second time this week ew yeah yeah normally you don't get this much armand and simon content but yeah no, we're, we're, we're pushing you to the limits today or the rest of the way so i'm fine with that yep yep us and our audience of 10 <laughs> hey hey but 10 loyal faithful fans we love yeah. you yeah yep mm-hmm. so honestly it's been a slow news week um i think the last episode that we'll have up so by the time you're listening to this you'll probably have both episodes to consume from this week but mm-hmm. uh it's slow news nothing much happened this week i think so mm-hmm. instead of talking about the nhl and the league i think we talked about that extensively over the last six seven weeks we're going to talk about ourselves a little bit this episode Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna contextualize this with dion finuff just uh i was just fired he retired (laughs) (laughs) so i think this is something i forgot to mention last episode but honestly when they announced his retirement i was like so two things came to mind first i was like what Mm. i thought he stopped playing a while ago and then, well, it turns out he did stop playing a while ago. Then COVID happened. And then a lot of players from the NHL, they use COVID just as like a kind of like a launch pad toward the rest of their lives. So taking a year off because of COVID, not a year, but that much time off from hockey allows you to reflect on things. And I think that's what Deanna Funaf did. Um, so he retired. But then I was honestly a little surprised that the Leafs catered to his retirement and actually celebrated it as extensively as they did. Like they had a particular news conference for him. They had like press releases and they had the in-game ceremony as well. And then I got to think about it. I'm like, okay, maybe I am like, I'm undervaluing Dion Phaneuf's importance to this club. Like he was captain, I think for four years, three, four years, something like that. Do you remember? Mm maybe like five or six because like 2011 he got traded like 2015 2016 it's like yeah like like five or six years something like that okay okay yeah so i really started watching hockey like 2011 2012 onwards that's when i really Mm -hmm. got into it so (laughs) almost 10 years now (laughs) um but when i started watching was when dion funoff just became captain and so he was like a prominent figure on the Leafs unfortunately all these fans hated him like almost for the entirety of his tenure on the Leafs I don't think anyone Mm. ever had a fond memory of Dion Phaneuf I remember some great things that he did he used Mm. to be great at hitting he used to be great at body checking uh sometimes he'd score like a like a bomb from the point and everyone'd be like "Yeah." yeah yeah but I think as his tenure went on the Leafs with the exception of the 2012-13 season, just like horrible collapses mid-season or 18-wheeler off the cliff, if you remember that quote from Brian Burke. Mm-hmm. And Dion Phaneuf was often at the center of that, along with Phil Kessel. But I think eventually fans started to view him as oh, like pylon. Everyone called him that after a certain point. And mm-hmm. while I don't disagree, I think he got pretty slow at one point. Uh, I think all of Lee's fans got a little too hard on him now that I'm reminiscing. Like the guy just came in, you know, he, he was just handed captaincy right away. Like Brian mm-hmm. Burke was like, let's trade for him and let's give him captain right away. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was a bad idea. 
And considering his character, I don't think Dion Phaneuf was ever a media guy. He never had a, a news conference where, you know, he had like an amazing quote or you could really see his personality shining through. He was always, it seemed like he was always struggling for words, if you remember mm-hmm. his, his interviews. Um, but like maybe he just wasn't built for it. So if they, I don't know why they rushed to give him the captaincy, like clearly three or four years without a captain is okay. We've seen that with this current league squad between 2016 and 2019 or 2018, they had no one. So I guess the GM's thinking at the time was we need a leadership. We need a leader right away. And then they chose Dian Phaneuf. Whether or not he was okay as a captain is obviously a matter of discussion, but I think he was okay. He did his job. Mm-hmm. Um, I always remember 2013 though. If they won that series against Boston, everything changes. Everything mm-hmm. that roster, Phil Kessel, Matt Fratton, Joffrey Lupo, Nazem Kadri, James Reimer, Dion Phaneuf, Cody Franzen, Joe Colbert, all these names, you would be viewing them in a completely different way. Some of them mm-hmm. might be even playing today if they hadn't lost that game. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, anyway, no. so that's all I have to say about Dion Phaneuf. <laughs> yeah. Um... There's three kind of ways that you can look at Dion Phaneuf, in my opinion. There's Dion Phaneuf, the person. There's Dion Phaneuf, the hockey player. And there's Dion Phaneuf, the leader. So I'm going to tackle these one by one. Um, Dion Phaneuf as a person, super nice guy. Nothing wrong with Dion Phaneuf as a person. Uh, Super nice person in the community. Super nice person um, to the media, to uh, the fans, everything. Um, Dion Phaneuf, the, uh, the hockey player. Um, Dion Phaneuf was very, I don't want to say one, he was very one-dimensional, in my opinion. Um, he was very good at putting up yeah. points. He was very good at scoring goals as a defenseman, because as you mentioned, he had an absolute howitzer of a slap shot. He's, prob- he's probably the hardest slap shot I've seen on the Leafs, like, ever, at least in my time watching. And I'm sure there's others that, mm-hmm. there's other players who are stronger. I'm saying just in my timeline, the time that I've been watching hockey, He's probably the hardest leaf I've ever like the hardest leaf, the hardest slap shot that I've watched. Um, he likes to jump up in the play. He's a very, he was an offensive defenseman. Uh, yeah, like he liked to lay, like he liked to he liked to hit. Didn't like to fight. Understandable. Very, again, like he liked to hit. He he would, uh, he was known for a lot of open ice hits. Um, the one that sticks out to me is the one against was the one he hit a uh, Stefan DaCosta, the Ottawa Senators in 2011, 2012, at the beginning of the season, where he just absolutely lit him up at like right at his own blue line. If you have a chance, I'd go back and watch it. It just, it's a thunderous hit. But bottom line is like, there's a lot of offensemen I like that nowadays, um, and where they're very good offensively and they're not very good defensively. That was Dion Phaneuf. Um, but unfortunately, he was the best defenseman in a market where, um, things were terrible and it was also the biggest media market in the world um the team around and sorry i'll, I'll get to that in a second and then dion fun of the person sorry, dion fun of the leader like i it's i think it's difficult for people to judge that side of dion enough just because i feel like so much of that you can only judge if you're one of the players on those teams um, what I will say is it seems like it seemed like a lot of the players in the locker room really liked Dion Phaneuf, which doesn't surprise me just based off of the other stuff I said before. He's a really nice person, uh, gets along with other people really well. Uh, he's a pretty good offensive defenseman. Like, I don't think he's an unlikable leader. Um, does he like did he have 
some questionable things in his time as tenure, sure. Starting with the salute gate, which we can, which I'm sure we'll probably get to in a bit. Um, he 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 participated in that. He was the captain of the team who did that. Um, now, granted, he did come out after and say that he wished he couldn't do it, but that's not how it works, in my opinion. He still did it at the at the time in the heat of the moment. But um, look, I I think he was a really good player. He's probably one outside of Morgan Riley and some of the other defense, like some of the defense we've had recently, like. Uh, uh, TJ Brody, Jake Muzz, and he was probably one of the best defensemen Leafs have had in the last couple of years. I think it's, I don't think that's a really debate that much of a debate, but I just think there was so much pressure on him given the state of the team at the time he was captain, um, frequently underwhelming um, and not meeting expectations. Um, and look, that's just the role of being captain in this market. You're going to be the lightning rod for criticism. You're going to be attracting all the eyes of the media you're going to be getting asked questions that frankly you might not have answers to um, but that's just a part of being in one of the biggest hockey markets in the world I mean rightly or wrongly again and but I give him credit because like he dealt with the pressure pretty well he wasn't someone like uh like he wasn't like a John Tortorella in the media where he'd be super negative and like start picking apart media members so yeah, I overall I, I have a pretty I have a pretty positive uh, re- review of Dion's of ten years of leave. I'm looking at his stats right now. He actually came here in 2009-10 season. Mm-hmm. June of two, I think it was like February two thousand and ten or something. Yeah, like when he that. got or traded, April or June, something something like that. I remember when he got traded. Everyone was like, "Wow, this new guy, he's gonna be mm-hmm. amazing," and mm-hmm. he used to hit a ton. Mm-hmm. He used to hit a ton in his early mm-hmm. years. And then I guess slowly that diminished with the game becoming faster as well. I guess his role kind of got more and more niche. Mm-hmm. Um, his point totals, I'm just going to quickly run through them on mm-hmm. Toronto. So 26 games in 9-10, he got 10 points. And the year after, 66 games, 30 points, 82 games, 44 points, 48 games, 28 points, then 31 and 80, 29 and 70 games, 24 and 51 games. So he was like half a point a player on, a, on the defensive side of things for the Leafs consistently from the second he entered the squad to the second he left. And that's not a good team either. That's not that, a good that, team. That, that, that's the impressive thing. Yep. Yeah. And it seemed like as soon as he was shipped out of Toronto was when his career kind of derailed. Like, I don't think he ever found a home in Ottawa. Even in LA, he, was kind, of, he kind of bounced around a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. That was Dion Phaneuf. Um, he never really got back to his 60 points in 82 games that he has as a defenseman in 07, 08 in Calgary. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think he was fine. He was serviceable. One thing I have to say though, is the Shanahan era or Shanahan management, they have done an exceptional job at honoring players in the past on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So mm-hmm. regardless of what the fans thought of them, I think, he since he's come in as the president of the Leafs, he's done a great job at like making sure the past is remembered and honored, and that there's a distinct difference between years prior and what's going on right now. So I remember mm-hmm. when the Matthews era just started, there was a big promo going around uh, around the hundredth year of the Leafs, mm-hmm. and the end of the video, that particular video I watched, was like, "Let's celebrate the hundred years," and there was a big hundred at the end of the video. Mm-hmm. But then that 100 quickly changed to a 001. And like the new era starts mm-hmm. now. 
And I just remember like, oh, what a way to kick off the new era of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But at the same time, honoring what everything that has been got, that the franchise has gone through. Yeah. So 10 out of 10. Well, yeah, like, so and just, to, and just to build off that point, um, I remember the first, I think the first year of, sorry, like that, that same year talking about, like 100 year of Leafs hockey. And like, I think that was, a, that, that was the same year of like the 100 years of the NHL where they had the, um, yeah. Like the top 100 players or whatever, uh, the home opener, which I was at, um, they had a massive. Sorry, that the, that year they retired a bunch of the numbers. So for those of you who don't yeah. know, before I think before Lou, before Shanahan, um, before Dub, like sorry, like partially before Dubas, I think it was like, sorry, no, not not before before Dubas, Dubas in the organization, but sorry, 2016, 2017, I believe the year was the first year after Austin Matthews was actually on the first year Austin Matthews was on the team. They actually officially retired a bunch of numbers. And this is a massive deal for like, um, I'll touch on one in a minute, but like uh, Doug Gilmore numbers number was retired. Like all the players, like the like the best Leafs in franchise history, Matt Sundin, Borja Salming, uh, Tim Horton, I believe is up there as well. Wendell Clark, um, Daryl Settler. Wendell Clark. Yeah, like uh, Daryl Settler I'll touch on in a minute. Um, but like all the Leafs legends who never had their numbers really retired, they were, they were honored, not retired. So basically players could still wear them, but I think it me- like it obviously means a lot to have your number retired. And like, if you see these players like who've won multiple, like it's a big deal to players. It is. Um, and then with Daryl Sittler, especially with the way his tenure ended with the Leafs, I think that was just a really positive way for him to kind of look back and be like, okay, like let's kind of like, squash whatever beef there is here and let's kind of like move on if that makes sense and i think hey you're right i think they, they've done a really good job of honoring their players and um hopefully they can, can continue to do it going forward yeah i remember that 2016-17 season the Leafs team like from a branding perspective changed a lot about how they mm-hmm. were viewed. so mm-hmm. they honored a bunch of the players they had legends row built yep um yep. they changed the logo that was a huge thing that yeah Yep. And then they had like a breakdown of what the significance of the new logo meant in terms of like the, the little roots on the leaves and the yeah, the- that's so that's so cheesy though. I'm sorry. I, I like <laughs> part of it's cool. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of that anymore. I used to be. That now it just seems really cheesy. That's all. Still, still, I think it's it's a great. First of all, I think it's a great logo. The old logo is honestly trash. I can't believe we liked it for as long as we did. Like the box yeah, yeah. Uh, Maple Leaf logo, ew, mm-hmm. so bad. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring one up to you later. I, we need, we need, we need to talk about something later. But anyway, so let's <laughs> continue on your tangent on your on your Leafs thing. Uh, yeah. So that season was big. I'm gonna quickly mention Salukate. So for anyone new to hockey, this was the 2014. Uh, was 2014-15? Yep. 2014-15. Mm-hmm. It might have been 15-16. Might one of those two. 15, Both were trash. One of those two seasons. Uh, the Leafs. I think uh, the game prior to this, they lost 9-2 to the Nashville Predators. I was at that game. You were, Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I was at, I was at the 9-2 Nashville game. So you saw it was 2014. Yeah, it was 2014-2015. Yep. Okay, so that's good. Uh, okay, well, that game, I think, is in the memory of a lot of Leafs fans. It's mm-hmm. hard to forget that game, mm-hmm. that particular season. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is coming off their uh like just two seasons ago they went to the stanley cup playoffs and boston ruins and everything and so there were oh yeah, yeah. they were you know there was some hope around the team they were like okay mm-hmm. they made the playoffs some people say they're good some people say they're bad let's see what happens now let's see if this team can actually continue making the playoffs and yeah. the answer was no 
Like we learned that frighteningly through Nashville. Uh, the next game after Nashville, though, they won, I think, 5-2 to the Tampa Bay Lightning, if I remember. Yep. yep. Wow, I'm remembering all these scores. Um, but after that game, so this is the game directly after the Nashville game, um, normally the players, they go to the center of the ice and at the end of the game, they wave their sticks in the air to thank them for coming back to the arenas after the lockout. I think that was why they started waving their sticks in the air. Uh, but they didn't do that for this game. And after some breakdown, I think the media found out that the idea was either from like Kessel or Fanuf or someone who said... It was the players. It was the players. Yeah. The players. And they were like, the fans weren't respecting us in the previous games by throwing like waffles or jerseys onto the <laughs> yeah, ice. I forgot about that, yeah. And so we're not going to salute back. Basically, their petty way of saying, we don't appreciate your behavior, fans, and we're not going to salute you at the end of the game. Honestly, looking back at it, it's such a small thing. Like, it's just a salute. You don't mm -hmm. pay to watch the game for the salute. You watch it for the result on the ice. Mm -hmm. But I can see why people were really pressed about that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like, cool that you do it, but why stop? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you trying to say here? And yep. Dion Phaneuf, I think in his uh, news conference from last week on the Leafs, where I think he was asked if he would uh, change anything about what he did in his tenure on the as a Leafs captain, mm -hmm. and he said that would be the one thing that he would change. He would not do salute gate. What's he gonna say though? Like I, 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 I kind of like again. I appreciate him saying that kind of, but you did it. And like yeah. in this market, like he's not going to say I would, I wouldn't change it because he's going to get ran out, run out of town if he does that. Yeah, but I, I do appreciate him coming, I guess, full circle. Because in the yeah. moment, I remember the interviews from each of the players, and they were like, "Oh, you know, mm -hmm. we got to do what we got to do. We don't want to lose mm -hmm. the fans. We just wanted to change things up. That's mm -hmm. it." And then now they're talking about it like more maturely. Like they've grown. Like Dion uh -huh. knows that. Okay, this is stupid. Yep. I don't know why we did that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, just give me a second. I'm pulling something up from the 2013-2014 NHL season. Hold on. Um, but yeah, it's sad that from that Leafs era, these are the stories that we remember. But there was honestly nothing <laughs> good that came out of that Leafs squad. Mm -hmm. Like 2013 haunts me to this day. 2013-14, I remember that season they lost eight straight games and tumbled out of the playoffs. 14-15 was a disaster, and then you got Salute Gate. The season after was Peter Horacek. Mm. <laughs> oh my God, it's just wait. Sorry, what did you say about the third about those? What what did you say about those consecutive losses? What what year was that? I think it was 13-14. Yeah, I was I was gonna bring that up. Okay, so I sorry. The reason I bring this up is I th this idea of Salute Gate comes at a time where i've heard chris johnson talk about this frequently but that team hated the fans that those fans hated that recognition of the team yeah. and the reason for that was just overall frustration um uh, again like i said before not meaning expectations um and but looking back on it that wasn't a good hockey team no no not like at all. and again it was, it was awful like phil castle was your best player at that time Phil Kessel was an unbelievable hockey player. Like, yeah. like 30, 40 goals in the bank. Suit like one of the best goal scorers in the league at the time. But like that was it. Um, and the 13-14 season has a special place in my heart and always will. Yeah. Um, no, not really. Um, okay. So for those of you who don't know the 13-14 season, um, this 
like most other leap efforts, was a monumental collapse, like of epic proportion. Um, the reason that I remember this road trip so well is because I was in Switzerland at the beginning of this road trip. It was a very fun trip. I had a lot of fun. I was uh, keeping up the Leafs. I was like, oh, we're in the playoffs. Cool. Like, we're, like we're so far. We'll be fine. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go to the playoffs once again. And boy, was I wrong. Um, and, and just for and just for context, this was in March. The Leafs are comfortably in the playoffs in March. Um, so. I'm going to go through those losses that our mom was talking about very, very quickly. So the Leafs started on the Death Valley road trip. And for those of you who don't know, Death Valley at the time was known as the Ducks, Sharks, and Kings. 2014, all three of those teams were very good. That was the year the the Kings won the cup again. The Sharks were a powerhouse that was the joe thornton logan couture patrick marlowe like sharks very good team and the anaheim ducks and we've talked about the ducks last episode with how good they were recently with brian getzlov ryan kessler Corey perry uh, matt bolesky cam fowler it goes on and on the, the ducks were a very, very good team they came out of that out of that trip two and one which is massive yeah. that is huge yeah. To get four points out of six on that trip. And I think Reimer actually got hurt on the trip too. So you basically had, you had a win, a loss. And then the last game of that road trip, um, Ber- uh, Bernier had to come in because Reimer got hurt. I believe that's how it went. Anyways, you come out 2-0-1 on that trip. You lose to Washington, lose to Detroit, lose to Tampa Bay. You lose to Montreal. You lose to New Jersey. You lose to St. Louis. Uh, Philadelphia, another loss. Detroit, a loss. You beat Calgary. You beat Boston overtime. You beat Winnipeg. You beat Tampa. You beat Florida. You beat Ottawa. You lose 12 of your next 14 games. And they miss the playoffs. Like, <sighs> and then, like, the next season, like, they were, like, they don't, I don't think they are even, like, close to making the playoffs. Nope. And Next that's was, what, uh, I think 14-15 was when Randy Carla got fired. Yep. Horchek came in and then Horchek was gone and they brought him back by Mike Babcock for 15-16. They tanked and, and then the new era started with yep. Matthews, Nylander, everyone. That's what happened. Um, yeah. Like, as, as someone who's been a fan of this team forever, I mean, do I condone, like, do I support the jersey throwing? No, absolutely not. I don't, like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't get the concept of that. I don't get what the point of that is. It's stupid. It's dumb. Don't do it. If you are, like, give your head a shake, man. Like, there's, like, you're, like, you're, like, it's, like, there's no point. Um, yeah. I just think, man, it's not the player's fault that the media is so intense in this market, but, I think that's also something you have to keep in mind here when you're playing here. Cause again, like there's a lot of fans who just want you to win, even if the team around you is not that great. And that's what that, and that's what that team was like, unfortunately. I mean, I, okay. Okay. Can I also say something about that narrative? Okay. So first yeah. of all, Jersey throwing dumbest idea in the world. You're not yeah. helping yourself. You're losing your own money and you're not helping mm-hmm. the team. You think you're going to make it's a so stupid. Good Jersey on it's the ice. So you're not making stupid. any statement. Like I don't like I don't yeah I don't get it but yeah sorry go ahead you're wasting everyone's time and you're you're stupid I don't know why you do that consider your life choices if you do that anyway yeah. uh sure. jersey throwing aside what's I gonna talk about what, what were you saying just before the 
I was talking about the media market and how like right. the media market's so intense and yeah. Okay, so I'm so tired of the narrative that Toronto is such a hard. Oh, the media is so tough. Mm, I can't. Mm. I can't be a leader properly over here. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, so scared. I don't want Chris Johnson to like talk, make a Sportsnet article about me. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, there are some markets in the league where there's more media. And that's yeah. usually as a result of there being more fans to consume that media. Mm-hmm. You have Toronto, you got Montreal. Um, what's another hockey market? Minnesota, maybe, but even sure, Minnesota is not that big. Uh, um, Vancouver, yeah. Vancouver, obviously. I think Vancouver is uh, a okay. hockey that's market. That's fun. Anyway, yeah, anyway, my, the examples that, that I'm trying to make are Toronto isn't the only hot hockey market. There is a lot of media presence over here, yep. but there's a bunch of teams where mm-hmm. the fans just want to win. They're starved for winning. Look at the N- uh, MLB. Look at the NBA. There are teams where the fans are just as on top of the sport and the media is just on top of everything as Toronto mm-hmm. is to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Look mm-hmm. at the LA Lakers. Do you think that's a market where they're just like, oh, okay, Lakers, who cares about them? No, they want them to win every single year. Mm-hmm. Look at the New York Yankees. What do you think about when you think of the New York Yankees? Prestige. You think about, wow, it must be an honor to play for the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. And the media for the Yankees is wild. And the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Baseball media is crazy. Yeah. Baseball media like, is crazy. And yeah. you never hear about players in the MLB and in, in Boston or New York being like, oh, I don't know about playing for New York. The media is so tough. No, 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 no. You go to those teams to win because you, you know that if you win with this team, your life is set. You never have to play another game in your life again if you retire after that championship, just like the Toronto Maple Leafs. The media might be tough, but you come here to win. If you win, that's everything. That's your life. Mm-hmm. You have an achievement. Winning with the Toronto Maple Leafs is so, so, so much better than winning with any other team in the sport. Might be just my unpopular opinion, but winning on Toronto trumps winning over any other city in the NHL. Don't you uh, want that player? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think there's some players that are like that. Some people that some players don't really feel that way. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an example. Um, you mentioned you, you talking about uh, like uh, other sports that again, I agree with most of that argument. Um there's a couple there's one that sticks out in my mind. Um, earlier this season, the New York Mets went out and got, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with baseball, I'll try to dumb this down. I'll try to make it like as relatable as possible. Um, the New York Mets, who were basically, so the New York Mets got a new owner at the beginning of last season. This was someone who said they were going to come in, they're going to spend a lot of money, they're going to take back New York. Um, they were going to be the best team in New York. And spoiler alert, they were not. Um, they paid their the their star shorts up. They got at the in the off season a lot of money, uh, and they went out and got a, another player at the trade deadline who was uh, good friends with the team's best player. Uh, he was super like electric, super super flamboyant. Um, for those of you who have watched the Blue Jays before, it's basically like Marcus Stroman. He's uh, I'm talking about Javier Baez. Javier Baez went over to the Mets uh, half partway through the season at, at the trade deadline. And like everyone's talking about, oh, such a good trade. I was going to get along with Francisco Lindor so well. Um, and they weren't doing well. Uh, the Mets were um, 
frequent uh, the, the Mets they weren't they didn't have a good season and the fans knew it and they were promised that they were going to do well. So what did they do? They started booing their players at the plate whenever every time something bad every every time something bad would happen. And sound familiar? Uh, it should because that's basically what happened with the Leafs. And so what did they do? Uh, Javier Baez uh, started uh, putting his thumb down to the fans, basically booing the fans. Like, and that's because of the market. It's again, it's. I my my main point here is that like yeah like there's obviously some there's obvious there's there's markets like like the Lakers like the Yankees like the Dallas Cowboys in football and maybe even the Raiders in football the Raiders are also one of the one of the more popular bigger uh, medium markets in the NFL, um, like there's obviously like there are periods of time with these franchises where stuff like this happens, and. Thankfully for the Leafs, we haven't really had anything like that recently. Why? Because winning fixes everything. Like that's, and I think that's why we haven't had anything like that recently. Yeah, back in 2011, 2012, for the last couple of years, those early years, they had nothing but losing. And losing is toxic. Losing is cancerous. It spreads like wildfire. And hey, I don't, it, it's understandable to me why that team in that era was so toxic because everything around it was just so negative. And yeah, and I think that extends to why people describe it as a media issue because every, because what do you see? Post game interviews, uh, p- players get asked questions, they're fed up, and they and they and they lash out, and people view it. Oh, it's because the media is too harsh on them. I'm not blaming one either side. I'm just saying I just think it happens in every sport. It just may not be there all the time. Do you remember when? Phil Kessel got mad at that one reporter. I forgot which season it was and which reporter it was. This was near the end of Phil Kessel's t- time. Ago. Yeah. Uh, it, someone said he was uncoachable. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Phil Kessel was like, like, this guy's such this guy, a- Yeah, this guy's <laughs> such an idiot. Uh, Dave, yes. Who was it? Um. I don't remember. Mm. I'm looking up right now. Anyways, I don't know. Dave Festchuk, that's who it was. Festchuk right for the Toronto Star. Yeah, yeah. it was Dave Festchuk. That's who it was. Um, yeah. There. Okay. Granted, Toronto does have a lot of shitty writers. I'm just gonna say it right here. Steve Simmons. Steve Simmons. I hate him so. Yeah. much. I'm so happy you said that name. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Like ugh, that guy has a track record. Has a streak of just. Horrible article after another. Mm-hmm. I have never found any Steve Simmons article to be good. Mm-mm. They're all so bad. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I think he's doing it on purpose. I think he knows Sorry. that if he has a really mm-hmm. shitty article, like mm-hmm. a re- all his articles lead off with like the negative slant. Like for example, John Tavares, shit mm-hmm. player. He was the one who started that after he came to the Leafs. And John Tavares, since he's been traded to the Leafs, sorry, since he signed with the Leafs, has been nothing short of spectacular. But Steve Simmons has been the one who's planted the seed in some Leafs brains, Leafs fans' brains, that makes them think like, oh, okay. You know, maybe his point total is declining. His foot speed's declining. Mm-hmm. And Steve Simmons is the only guy to bring that shit up. Yeah. And he's um, racist as well. But... I'm trying to think here. Because you... Steve Simmons' articles aren't necessarily bad, but they're controversial. Controversial, that's yes. Looking for. That's the word. Um, like, it's just, I believe he had a questionable headline after game one of the Leafs-Hab series when Tavares went down. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, like, 
It seems oh, like every yeah. time there's something like that happens, Steve Simmons is right in the middle of it. And like, again, I'm not going to touch on that. Uh, I just think he's a controversial writer. There's, re- there's reasons why he does it. I get it. Do I think it's ethical? And do I think he should be doing it? No, but it's, it's just part of his way to expand his career, which I mean, if he wants to do that, fine. Uh, but I think there's got to be better ways to do it. So it's, uh, I remember one time, I'm pretty sure this was on the, the Tavares uh, when he got injured mm-hmm. in, against Montreal mm-hmm. last season. Yeah. He, he said something, and then I remember going on Twitter, and then I commented, because uh, on Twitter he posted something, and then all these fans were just shitting on him in the comments. And I think the comment that I mentioned was like, hey, guys, don't worry, he's just joking. He, don't, he's not being serious. Come on, guys. Yeah. That's the way I want to choose to look at every Steve Simmons article from now on. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you don't actually mean this. Yeah. You're saying the dumbest shit ever. You don't mean this. Come on. Yeah. Whatever. It floats some Leafs fans' boats. Does not float mine. Yeah. Anyway, that was a fun tangent. Um. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I just looked it up. I regret not looking it up. Oh my god. It was I think- the Toronto Sun, which, which oh, I believe god. is the one that uh that Steve Simmons writes for. Um. And this isn't necessarily Stephen, uh, a Steve Simmons thing. This is just a Toronto Sun thing, which is why I don't really fuck with the Toronto Sun. I'm like, a lot of people fuck with Toronto Sun. Um, and if anyone is on Leafs Twitter and anyone who has a pretty good memory, you'll, you'll remember this headline. because this, this was all over Twitter. This was absolutely disgusting. Um, Toronto Sun in big black letters. Ooh, like they, they pop off the page. It says, Captain Crunched. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. John Tavares stretches off and Maple Leafs costly game one loss to Canadians. And like the picture they have on the, on the cover is him basically being held up by one, two, two team trainers, team doctor, like there's blood coming down his face. Like he's very clearly like just out of it. Um, but yeah, that's what the Toronto Sun does. Uh, that's what they believe in. Is it, it's too bad, but um yeah it is what it uh, is yeah basically unfortunately yeah the one thing i want to talk about before we jump into simon says again Ooh, is my favorite is um i think even though these seasons of the lease dating back to 2011 all the way to now 10 years later mm-hmm. horrible there have been some bright spots i think the 2015 sorry the 2016-17 season was probably my favorite just because from start to finish, we had no expectations. That we knew it was going to be bad, but they made the playoffs. And then they That's went six in, pick. five overtimes against the Washington Capitals. That was 16-17, not 15-16. Yeah, 16-17. And mm-hmm. then, you know, okay. we fell in love That, that, that was my pick as well. That was my pick as well. Yeah. That season was so much fun. Like, Yes. Like, like when we got Austin Matthews and the, sorry, when the Leafs got Austin Matthews, I'm saying as if I'm like a member of the team, but you know, no, no, screw that. When we got Austin Matthews, like, like it, it was exciting. It was like, man, like this is like, this is unreal. We got a first line center or, or sorry, hopefully he's going to develop into a first line center. Um, let's see how he does. Cause again, I have seen Neil Yakupov go first overall and they were like, Oh, he's yeah. going to be next. Steven Stamkos didn't work out. Uh, he's currently in KHL right now. So yeah. Um, but that first game, oh, that like I was just in awe. But yeah, like, yeah. That, like that that whole season was just so unreal. 
amazing. Like, just like you said, no expectations whatsoever. Um, I remember I seeing. I remember seeing that game, the first Austin Matthews game. I think I cried. I was like jumping around the house. I remember that. <laughs> I, remember, like, I was so happy. I was like, holy fucking shit. Those guys four goals. Um, yeah. And then it was so amazing. Like you saw his parents <laughs> stands as well. And they were crying and like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Then they lost. They lost. An and then they lost. Oh. <laughs> Kyle Terrace, baby. But like, anyways, like that team was so much fun to watch. Oh my God. Now, granted, I, I, on paper, I actually like the players on the team we have now more than back then. 100%. I, I love Nylander, Marner, uh, Matthews, but, like, I love Tavares. I love Wayne Simmons. I got my, my Wayne Simmons jersey on. I got Sick. my Wayne train Scarborough. Yeah, 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 sure. I don't live in Scarborough, but cool. Um, <laughs> like, like, just, I don't know. I, I think the team has a lot of likable characters right now. They, 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 they have yeah. been for a while, so, I mean. Oh, Kyle. Oh, Kyle Clifford's back tonight, everyone. I think. Oh yeah, he's up with the team right now. We didn't really talk about the Kyle Clifford trade. I'm sure we can see that for a future episode. But yeah. basically, Kyle Clifford's basically traded for nothing, and now he's back with the team. So that's we'll, great. We'll talk um, about it on Monday. Yeah. But yeah. Um, w- the thing I wanted to say, so just one mm-hmm. last sentence here is mm-hmm. that we've seen a lot of shit over the last decade from the Leafs, but it's the hope that always gets you. It's like you always think. No, it's the passion. Oh, <laughs> unites us all. Yeah. We always think like, okay, if this this has to be the last collapse, right? Like this, ha- they can't get worse than this. That's what ke- that's what keeps us going. It's the idea that it can't get worse than this, and somehow it has, but somehow it hasn't at the same time. Mm-hmm. Every single amazingly small of the last ten years has been tainted. When they went four up, uh, four to one up against the Boston Bruins. Can we not bring it up, please? I won't bring uh, it up. Austin Matthews, four goals, first game. Tainted. They lost that. They came back in remarkable fashion against Columbus. I think they got, they went up, uh, they were down three, nothing. Scored three goals in the last like five, six minutes of the game. They lost that series. Everyone thought, oh, they had the momentum to win that game against Columbus. And the next one, they lost that. (laughs) Montreal. (laughs) Anyway. We're stuck as Leafs fans. Probably anyone listening to this podcast right now is good chance you're a Leafs fan as well. Welcome to the crew. We're in it for the long haul, whether they win or lose. Okay. Yeah, kind of. I'm going to do one Simon Says before we wrap up here. And this Simon Says is going to be on NHL attendance. So. Oh, fuck off. Okay, <laughs> cool. Okay, fine. Let's do it. I, I love how every single <laughs> topic I bring up, you're like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> okay, this one's outrageous. NHL attendance. Okay. You know, okay, okay. I'm I've gonna seen, I've seen some photos, so I got some I got some ballpark answers for eat like for, for one side of the spectrum, not the other, but that's okay. So to provide some context here, 2019-20 was the last full season of the full quote unquote season of the NHL when they had proper fans in the stands and attendance that they could actually base metrics off of. 2019-20 obviously was played with the pandemic, following season, bubble, and then now here we are. But we're now comparing the attendance figures of this season compared to two seasons ago. And there's an obvious trend. Like, I'm not going to talk about COVID yet, but uh, economically, a lot of people are reconsidering their life choices after the last two years in lockdown. Um, Mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of like political things as well. I'm sure the Chicago Blackhawks stuff doesn't help. That might be driving away fans as well. But mm -hmm. obviously the number one factor is COVID. Like people are still a little wor worried about going into an arena with 20, 25,000 people mm -hmm. going across the border as well. So mm -hmm. this season across the NHL, across almost every single team, across every single team, numbers are down. And what I want to get your guess on Simon is Canadian teams wise. So the seven that we have in Canada, mm -hmm. what do you think one through seven are this season? And let me scroll up here. Okay. So between, okay, I'm going to ask you to do this 2019, 20. So this is pre pandemic. I want you to give me your one through seven and then your 2021, 22. So this season, one through seven. Oh, man. So you're just going to give me one through seven and I'm not going to say yes or no until you finish your two lists. Hold on. Let me quickly just pull up the standings so I have all the teams. I know it's going to sound stupid. I want to make sure I have all of them so I don't like, so it's a very, a bit more organized. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I know Winnipeg has always have and always has had a very like I, I think just like mathematically wise, like their stadium is smaller. And I know it's a very small, I think it's actually a pretty small town or city. It's a city, that's not a town. I don't know, Winnipeg seven. Give or 2019-20. Yeah. Okay. Winnipeg. Uh 2019-2020. Okay, so let's see. Who was sucking back then? Uh, I'll go Winnipeg. I'll go Ottawa. I will go. Oh man, that's tough. Give me Calgary. Give me Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal. Okay, and then this season. Oh man. Um. Okay. So again, I'll go Winnipeg again. I don't. I'm yeah. Winnipeg. Think, 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 think. Winnipeg. I'll go. I'll go Vancouver. Uh, Winnipeg, Vancouver. So no, sorry. Winnipeg, Ottawa, Ottawa. Sorry, I okay. thought Ottawa. Winnipeg, Ottawa, Vancouver. Uh, and then okay, the two Alberta teams and the two two original six teams. Uh, give me. I know my. I know I, I. I would. I'm pretty sure Montreal and Toronto are near the top. So I'll take Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal. I think Montreal has historically had a way better like attendance rate than most places. All right. Okay. So now I'm gonna quickly double check whether you got any of these right. Oh no. Um. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So 2019-20. Wrong. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh. See, you got me. You got Toronto right, so that's one. Yes. Vancouver, you got that right positionally. Calgary. Yes. Okay, you got three for seven for 2019-20. I will take that. Three uh, for seven. For this season, you've got zero. Yeah, you got zero. <laughs> oh my god, that's okay. Not zero okay. for sorry, three for fourteen. I'll take that. That's... But that's okay because I would. Looking at these standings, I would have been surprised as well. Mm -hmm. um, 2019-20, so 
I'm going to give you a reverse order from what you did. So you did worst to best. I'm going to go best. Mm-hmm. To worst. Okay. 2019-20, Winnipeg. Best. The fuck? All right. Cool. I have no idea why I'm looking at these standings right now. This is from ESPN, attendance report. And they were at 108.2% capacity in their games in that season. Uh, I remember that season. I think they were competing for a playoff spot. I know Winnipeg, that ownership group, has been trying to grow popularity in the, in the city. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, we have to look at Winnipeg with a grain of salt because they have a very small stadium. So them selling out at 108% could just mean, yeah. you're, right. even if they sell out 108%, that's probably way less than what Toronto gets at like 90%. Hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, Winnipeg number one, then Toronto two, mm-hmm. uh, Montreal three, Vancouver four, Calgary five, Edmonton six, and Ottawa seven. This was 2019 20. Mm-hmm. Ottawa had a wor- league worst, so 31st in the league, yeah, 55.9% oh attendance. Sorry, that's crazy. Not attendance, tickets sold. I have okay, to make that clarification here. Right, 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 right. Does not indicate the number of fans that will be in the stands. Usually, Mm -hmm. every single game in the NHL is sold more than how many uh, fans actually come in. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, I remember going to a scene like an Ottawa game one day, and they were like, "Oh, we there was like seventy percent of the stadium was sold out this day, but there was only like, uh, like you know, twelve thousand people in the stands less." So. These numbers are higher usually than the number of people that actually come in and watch the game. Ottawa was worst that season. Um, and then Edmonton, Calgary were second and third worst. 21-22. So this season, Toronto's number one. And then Vancouver. Really interesting. And Vancouver, oh my God. Okay. And then Montreal. Right, not surprising. And then Winnipeg. And then Edmonton, then Calgary, then Vancouver. Sorry, then Ottawa. (laughs) Ottawa is still worst. And in fact, Ottawa got worse over the last two seasons. Now they're only a 60% ticket sold. That's so bad. Ooh. They're at 59. I think about 60. 59.3. Oh my God. Uh, This is from. (laughs) Oh my God. Buffalo's at 41%. (laughs) Buffalo is at 41%. (laughs) Uh, but look, I think even Toronto, even Toronto this season has not been selling out games at 100%. Nope. And that was a little surprising to me, but now I understand that I have researched this a little bit more. Uh, even the Leafs games that I've been to, sorry, the Leafs game that I've been to this season, there were a lot of seats that were just not filled. And mm-hmm. people are worried about the situation, like I mentioned, and it's driving down numbers. The situation with each of these teams, too, is causing an issue like Montreal 91% that's Mm -hmm. horrible for Montreal standards but the team is also garbage Ottawa so bad but the team is also flaming hot garbage yep and their stadium is still in the middle of nowhere yeah yeah but it is what it is Buffalo oh my god they're like they're selling out less than half of their tickets yeah we should go one day. Just buy a Buffalo? Yeah. Hey yo, man, I'm down, bro. I'm down to go to Buffalo. I've been trying to go. I I bet the tickets would be so cheap for a Leafs game. I might go on Monday, actually. I might me and my friend might go see the Kraken. In Buffalo. 
Oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant like going to Seattle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to go to Buffalo. Do it, do it. Actually, actually, we should we should go take a podcast trip to see the Leafs in Buffalo. Ooh. I'm checking the schedule. So I'm checking the schedule right now. Let's see. Tickets are twenty dollars. Oh my god! Could you imagine? Twenty dollars. Oh god. Yeah, tickets. Okay, so it's a Wednesday, November twenty fourth. Well, that's tonight. Okay, maybe that's why. But playing Boston Bruins, seven o'clock. Tickets as low as twenty one dollars. So I remember seeing. Uh, I went to the Boston versus Leafs games. Leafs game a couple weekends ago. That was on a mm-hmm. Saturday night against Boston, and I thought my one hundred forty dollar ticket price for the three hundred mm-hmm. section was pretty good <laughs> yeah but now looking at this 20 dollars ticket i'm like wow well actually not now that i think about it i think the only i think the other game that they play in buffalo is actually in hamilton <laughs> oh yeah yeah the winter the heritage classic so they, yeah. they don't play anymore in buffalo this season i don't think so i don't think so i think it's basically just the heritage classic in uh in march March 13th, I think is the day. Yeah, March 13th. Yeah, so it's in Hamilton. And somehow it's a Buffalo home game, which I don't understand, but you that's okay. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm hopefully going to go to that, so we'll see. Oh, me too, yeah. Okay, so let's, well, we rattled. Wrap, yeah. let's yeah. wrap there. I'm going to ask you one question of the day. Predict the score of the least games tonight versus the Kings. Keep in mind that the Leafs got slapped 5-1 to one last time. Against the Kings. Oh my god. Who we got in that? Is it is it is it soupy? Yeah, it's gotta be soup because they gave Wall for the Islanders. So everyone's back. Matthews is back. He's going on a bit of a tear. I'll take the like, Leafs four to two. Maybe five to two with an empty netter. I'll go three to one. Interesting. Okay. I don't yeah, again, I'd have I'm actually Man, I have an 8 a.m. class tomorrow, bro. Like, I fucking hate these 10:30 games. I hate it. Well, I don't, I don't uh, envy you at all. I might just not go and just watch it the day after. Oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, anyways, that's all we got. Um, and yeah, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Spotify or the Apple Music or the Google Podcast or the whatever you listen on podcasts on. We should be on there. Um, and yeah, follow our Twitter, follow our Instagram for all our up to all of our updates and to stay up to date with the pod. And we will be back on Monday. Yep. See you later. Yes, sir.